still reason for joy. There is, because we're ready for our week-long festival, the Feast of Tabernacles, or Sukkot. And uh, what I was going to wrap up with today is something last year that really came to mind. I really put a lot of time in studying it was this uh, word, Sukkot, that we use, which is uh, this, whether you call it a tabernacle, a tent, a, a temporary gathering. But either way, the festival is named after, and that's the scripture that when we're we're supposed to build these Sukkots for a reason. And I started looking at it because uh, as I was looking at the feast last year, what I was noticing was that when you begin at Passover and Feast of Unleavened Bread and come all the way to the fall, that all right, really this, the theme isn't all these different things, but really it's just it's this Passover thing, the, the Pesach. It's this Lamb of God slain, this Jesus, this Yeshua, is the focus of everything and, and is the Feast of Tabernacles something that's so separate and just end time kind of a focus or is it another reminder by God of to stop and think back at this Passover event this this event of the journey out of Egypt and remember this so is it a different thing so you know, and I, I think it actually is. I think there's more to the Feast of Tabernacles than, than that the Jews typically celebrate. Now, we're talking about a town uh, either on the outskirts of Egypt or, or just outside of it by the name of uh, Sukkot. Uh, historians think that um, it was about three days' journey into the desert. We're really not sure that'd be, you know, three days because if Passover was the day Jesus died on the cross, so a three-day journey would put him in the resurrection, the Feast of First Fruits. So if Sukkot was there, that would have a interesting significance to it but the thing is that names change places change and and uh you really it's hard to pinpoint things so very little is known about it but my guess is that when jacob was old and brought his family to join joseph in egypt perhaps it's where they stopped and they built sukkahs for the family and the herds before moving on to egypt it had the same hebrew name of the town he founded near peniel where he stopped and built sukkahs after he met with esau it makes sense that he would repeat the building and the naming. So you have these towns 300 miles apart, and you have the same guy on a journey. So is that what's going on? So what did God say this tabernacle or feast was about? He said, you shall dwell in booths, Sukkot, for seven days. All native Israel, Israelites shall dwell in booths, Sukkot, that your generations may know that I made the people of Israel dwell in booths, or Sukkot, when I brought them out of the land of Egypt, I am Jehovah your God. Now, I keep saying booths, inserting that word, but you shall dwell in Sukkot, you shall dwell in Sukkot, you shall dwell in Sukkot, is how it says in Hebrew, which makes you then say, okay, what if he's not talking about us making these little booths, but maybe are we making these booths to remember something totally different? So it, it seems possible that they were not supposed to live in these sukkahs to remember the entire wilderness journey where they were condemned to 40 years, but specifically to remember just these days, these 50 days directly after Passover, maybe just three days when God caused them to retrace the very steps he used to bring them to Egypt when they were just Jacob and about 80 others. And to remember how God changed Jacob from a deceiver to a man with a limp who was miraculously saved from the brother he had deceived. His life rally profoundly changed after the encounter he had wrestling with, the, with God or the angel. He seems to lose his scheming ways and develop giving ways enough so that he wanted his descendants not to forget that journey. 
when Jacob died, Joseph made a trip back to the cave of Machpelah, which is called the Cave of the Patriarchs in Hebron, that holds the bodies of four couples. Adam and Eve are said to be buried there. Of course, you'll find Abraham and Sarah, Isaac and Rebekah, and Jacob and Leah. They're all buried in Hebron because it's a big deal where you're buried. Not only did Joseph make his father's, uh, take his father's bones to Hebron, but then he made his kids promise to bring his bones all 460 miles from Egypt to be buried in Shechem, where he had been sold into slavery by his brothers. It was a place his father Jacob had dug a well where Abram had met with God and where Moses would speak blessing and cursing over Israel. It's a place where God did so much and graves were a big deal. He wanted to be buried there. And sure enough, as Moses led the Israelites out, they carried Joseph's bones with them and no doubt rested with them at Sukkot. In the end, uh, a sukkah or Sukkot isn't about a flimsy shack. Maybe in Exodus 29, I will dwell or tabernacle or sukkah among the people of Israel and will be their God. Maybe it's about his presence. We're all in sukkahs right now. This world is our sukkah. We need to make sure our affections for it are are flimsy because we have a better sukkah waiting that we celebrate on the Feast of Tabernacles. Maybe these little bodies of ours are the sukkahs. Maybe dwelling is the word tabernacle, which means God will spread his tabernacle over us so that we may dwell in safety and security under its cover and protection. In the simplest of terms, Jesus came to the earth as a baby, lived with us, tabernacled with us. John 1.14, the word became flesh and made his tabernacle dwelling sukkah among us. We've seen his glory, the glory of the one and only son who came from the father, full of grace and truth. When Jesus rose from the grave, he had a glorified body that could still be touched and could eat, but it could also pass through walls and defy the basic laws of physics. He stayed on earth in that body for 40 days and then ascended into heaven. Those 40 days are a picture of that great tribulation and as well as the millennium when Jesus will first fight and then reign on the earth. Behold, the tabernacle of God is among men and they shall be his people and God himself shall be among them. That's Revelation 21. So let's take a chiastic look at Passover, Feast of Unleavened Bread and Tabernacles. The week-long feast right after Passover coming out of Egypt includes Passover the first day, followed by a seven-day Feast of Unleavened Bread the next day, two significant days together right there at the beginning of the feast, and three days later you have first fruits. The first and the last days are Sabbaths. This was the first exodus which occurred in Egypt and in the desert, and there is lots of death in that story, right? Then you have the week-long Feast of Tabernacles. It's quite opposite. You have two significant days in a row, but they're at the end of the feast because it's viewed in a mirror. You know, if you're looking at a chaotic, a chaotic view, it's also seven days with the first and last days of Sabbaths. The last day is the great day. You pack up, you go home, and come back together at the temple on the eighth day for a celebration. And this is the second exodus, which occurs in eternity. Death has been destroyed. So death in one, no death in the other. But then again, death was destroyed in the first one in the end. Why all the celebration of tabernacles but fasting and unleavened bread? I believe we're celebrating from a place of faith that comes from knowing Jesus. If he came the first time, we can be confident that he'll come the second time. If he proposed and gave us the ring, the Holy Spirit, he will come and bring us to the Father and marry us. So in the end, the feast is here. <laughs> Ignore it or celebrate it. But to celebrate it is to celebrate Jesus. So I encourage you for the next week, 
uh, give. Find a reason not to don't come to God with empty hands. Find a way to give something to someone, be a blessing to someone. Remember to rejoice. Uh, if you, you can take some time with your family and if you get a chance to go outside or to eat together and uh, just take that time to give thanks to God for his provision for the year and look at this year ahead instead of thinking, oh, it's going to be so bad, it's terrible. Yeah, there's going to be some challenges for sure, but God is faithful. As sure as he has already planned your ending, he's got this season too. What will you do? That's the question. Yeah, we've been asking that Make question. Make those decisions. Yes, We'll tell you more about that in just a moment. For anybody, Ray, that wishes to do a deeper dive, uh, what would you suggest? I would suggest they, uh, well, first, you, of course, you can go in uh, our website sometime later on this afternoon, and I'll have all of this on the blog and the podcast. And, of course, you can just dig in and just uh, search, read the word, and uh, uh, search for Sukkot and Feast of Tabernacles and study it. Just begin to ask God to give you a heart to... Uh, to love these, what they call the feasts of the Lord. You, if you love him, uh, ask God to help you learn how to love these things that he calls important or crucial or key.